Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh my God, it happened. It finally happened. Jey Uso has turned on Roman Reigns. I was not expecting that when we started watching this episode of SmackDown, but hot damn, have we got potentially the biggest SmackDown angle we have seen all year. I'm Tempest, hailing from Parts Fun Known here on the WrestleTalk podcast channel, and I'm joined by the wonderful and lovely Sat E. Niangi, and he's here to tell you what day it is. It is Sat E. Day, and it is approximately Sat E. Time. Sat, what's causing all this? I like to use, use, use my own line. Uh, what's causing all this? The bloodline seemed to finally, and I mean finally, implode, explode, disintegrate that thing that Thanos done, the dissipated right in front of us. They all got dusted. Yes. Like when they did the whole thing about there's going to be announcement or choice, we did not expect them to actually go through with it and mm-hmm. actually give us what we've been waiting for. Jay Uso finally coming to his senses. We can argue he's always had his senses, but he was scared to use them. We will see. We will get into this entire SmackDown review, including the review of the Bloodline crumbling, finally. But make sure, of course, that you leave a comment down below. Give a thumbs up to this video. Subscribe to the WrestleTalk podcast channel if you haven't already, because we have a lot to get into here. The main event segment, of course. Wait, wait, fusion? Fusion. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Powering up. Got to hold on to my... Lovely belt here. It looks wonderful. Jam that champion, the one and only, the undisputed champion, Tempest Canada from House of the Black Mask. The house has a champion. You're our champion. You're the champion of Talk. You're the champion of this room. I appreciate you very much, my friend. So the first mention of this whole bloodline thing on this show came early on when Roman Reigns was sat backstage and he was talking with Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman was saying, my, my travel chief, ha, have you spoken to Jay? He's very clearly worried about his place in the bloodline. And Roman says, I'm the tribal chief. Jay needs to come talk to me. I'm not going to reach out to Jay. Jay's got to reach out to me. Yeah. Paul, go, go find Jay. Go talk to Jay. And Paul Heyman is not entirely down for this, but he does it. He goes. Later on in the show, you've got Jay and Paul backstage, and they're both half-assed, apologizing to one another. Paul's saying, I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry that I was right. I'm sorry that Jimmy kicked you in the face just like he kicked Roman in the face. He did both of those intentionally. He meant to kick you in the face. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that he ruined your chance to become United States champion last week. And Jay says, OG, I'm sorry too. I'm sorry that it's still me or you in the bloodline. And Paul Heyman walks off. We then get Paul Heyman going back to Roman Reigns later in the show and just saying, no, no. And then Roman stands up and Sola Sokoa takes a few steps forward and Paul Heyman's like, Yeah, that was funny. Because he's shook. He knows that when you cross Sola Sokoa, you get got. But Roman Reigns is like, no, 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 no. It's all right. It's all right. You don't need to do that. And Sola's like, all right. I'm a chill. I'm going to sit back, let you do your thing. And then we got Jay Uso walking to the ring and he crosses Sami Zayn. And at first I was like, Jesus Christ, are we doing this again? But it was just a lot more subtle. They just kind of shared a look and then went on their separate ways. So, all right, points for subtlety. Because then we got this segment. Roman Reigns comes out of the ring, says, acknowledge me, does his shtick. And then Jay comes out. And Jay starts asking, all right, who's it going to be? Is it going to be me or is it going to be Paul? And Roman tells him, listen, that's not how things work around here. This isn't the bloodlines, wise man. This is my wise man. This isn't the wise man for you. You don't get to make the decision of whether the wise man's in the bloodline. The wise man isn't in the bloodline. The wise man advises me. When you're the tribal chief, you get to choose who advises you. You get to pick your own wise man. But for right now, Paul Heyman is my wise man. So Jay's getting all upset. And then Jimmy comes out. And Jimmy says that this is a problem, not with me, not with your brother, with your cousin. It's always been about him. Gets gets into the ring. And he starts saying he's manipulating you. All the things, you know, the Roman Reigns problems. And Roman starts going in on Jimmy, saying he was the one that was holding you down. Y'all took 10 years to get to WrestleMania, which is true. Yeah, sad. That is, that is actually very sad. Yeah. Well, pre-showed. not exactly true. There I think was, it was eight years. It was, it was eight years. Pre-showed for eight years. Yeah. That is crazy if you think about it. Tag titles got no love on WrestleMania. Nope. But he says, now you're main eventing. Main eventing WrestleMania by my side. But Jay, I don't understand why you're mad at me for We made you the right-hand man. Paul Heyman, the wise man, that was his idea. And who was the one person who opposed that? It was your brother. It was Jimmy. It was him. And so now Jay turns, and now he's getting all worked up. And you could say maybe this was to catch Roman off guard, because otherwise it doesn't make a ton of sense, which Mm. I'm sure we'll get into. Jay Uso says, like, is it true? Is it true? This is what I've been hearing my whole life, you know? Joshua, listen to your big brother. Joshua, do this. Joshua, do that. Jay's real name, of course, is Joshua. And he says, is that true? And Jimmy says, yes. And so Jay gets all upset and said, all right, you're out. There's a long pause. He says, and I'm out too. And he turns and super kicks Roman. Super kicks Roman Reigns. This moment that's been built up to for three years. Finally paid off here on SmackDown. Surprisingly, I thought this would have been like Money in the Bank or SummerSlam, maybe like this is a real big angle and they've done it here on SmackDown. So that's not a bad thing. I was just surprised. And the Usos both super kick Roman. Roman gets up. He's like, you're going to hit me. 
He's getting real worked up, and then he gets double super kicked, and he sells it like death. He goes down like he gets shot. And he goes down, and the Usos leave, and they're doing the Weeda Ones, and they're all pumped up. And now it's the Usos against Roman and Solo. Those are the battle lines drawn. The bloodline as we know it is over. All that's left is Roman, Solo, and Paul. What do you make of all of this, Sat? Many things. First of all, uh, did you did you think, or I guess we were thinking that they were gonna drag out Jay being conflicted all the way to Money in the Bank? I I certainly thought so. And then at Money in the Bank, this segment had done it would be truncated because you know it's a lot of talking time. It would have like Jay would have pulled the trigger at Money in the Bank. That's what he, the initial speculation, right? Could could have done. Could have done that that segment. Playing out in front of the really lively London crowd, I could I could see it. Well, I, I'm actually happy they did it on on the SmackDown because the simple fact it gives more of a reason for us wanting to see the tag team match. Mm-hmm. It would have been annoying because it, it would have played out the same way like we've seen the, the sort of last few months of confliction. Now we're finally getting the the battle lines that have been formed. We're finally getting the fact we've wanted the Usos finally getting uh, their back, uh, getting back at Roman Reigns for all the stuff they've done to them. Uh, what I enjoyed it was in a way a full circle moment because. The 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 talking points mentioned in the segment were talking points that were brought up when Jimmy first came back. Mm-hmm. So we talked about in the office how I found the part where Jay goes to Jimmy, "You didn't want me to be right hand man." Kind of annoying because yes, because that's the first thing Jimmy said when he came back is, "What is this, right hand man? Who are you? What like what's going on, man? That's not you." Yeah, it and wasn't that, exactly a secret. It wasn't a secret, yeah. So the whole, you didn't want this for me? It's like, yeah. That's why, you know, Jimmy had nobody's bitch t-shirt because there's a play on the right-hand man t-shirt. Like, we all know this. So that part was, like you said, it must have been to to catch Roman off guard because it doesn't make sense for Jay at that point to be like, you didn't, you doubted me? And more points were mentioned because Jay said that... Um, he wasn't trying to ever compete with Roman in terms of like in the bloodline or, or even in life. The person that he's been trying to keep up with is Jimmy. So Jay is saying that he's, he, you know, he looks up to Jimmy. Like Jimmy's always been the standard bearer in the family. He's the older brother. He was the prom prince, the prom king, the, the most likely to succeed in their high school. So Jay mentioned that part in the promo, which is the set in ground to understand that this whole time, Jay, I guess, I never really thought of it in that way, that Jay looks up to Jimmy and then Roman usurped that position to be his, I guess, surrogate big brother, his uncle. Because in real life, uh, Roman Reigns is actually the Uso's uncle. But you can do your research on Google to connect. Is it? Yes. It's like a weird... Rosie, 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 who is Roman's brother, is our uncle to the Uso's. Rikishi is more first cousin, first blood cousin is Rikishi and Roman. So that makes them second. Um, yeah, it's like a second or it's a what, cousin yeah. once removed or a so I first mentioned, cousin, yeah, yeah, second, yeah, second cousin, something sorry, like that. They are cousins, but the thing is because um, the Usos made a joke that they call him Unk because mm-hmm. it's more like the direct lineage of where he comes from. Sure. Dad, so that's what they call him. They made a joke. But yeah, it is more like uh, first cousin once removed. That's what it's called. Mm-hmm. But the Usos, they did an interview. They, they said they used to call Roman their uncle just to make fun of him and have jokes with it. But yeah, back to the to what I was saying. Yeah, so Jay's been trying to keep up with Jimmy. And then when Jimmy got injured, he said that was a blessing in disguise because Jay got to be main event Jay Uso. He did break out to the point where you're thinking, hey, 
Vince McMahon doesn't like tag team wrestlers. Could the Usos break up? But as we've seen time and time again, the Usos would, would rather choose to be a tag team forever than to branch out for mm-hmm. single stardom. So Jay chose Jimmy over what uh, Roman was offering. It's almost like the, the, the Faust deal, the bargaining. Join me. You can become future tribal chief because that's what Roman mentioned in the segment. Like, I've been grooming you for three years. That when you, that I, so Roman said, I got us to the promised land. You are meant to keep us in the promised land. That was those are key points that, 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 that Roman was using on Jay. And then Jimmy said, you're going to fall for that crap because it's obviously it's manipulation. Roman will use whatever gesture it takes to keep Jay on board because Jay's been valuable in keeping keeping him on top throughout the whole entire record-breaking reign. Jay has been there for Roman, so Roman needs him. So by now, of course, have we seen it's split up or broken up? But see, I like the segment. I like that it, it was a full circle moment because they did go back to the issues they had uh, beforehand. So they had to basically wrap that up. But yeah, great performance all around. Uh, the only nitpicky thing was the whole when Jay confronted Jimmy. But again, the question is, how long has Jimmy or Jay decided that he was going to leave the bloodline? Was this a setup or was this an impromptu, uh, spontaneous, uh, you know, action? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be very interesting to see where we go next as well, because I would really enjoy if the next chapter of this in some way shows why this wasn't such like a, an easy decision to make. Like, I want to see the consequences of the Usos turning on the tribal chief. Like, maybe now we can start getting the extended members of the family involved in this and be like, no, no, you don't make that decision. You know, there's a reason that that Roman is doing this. There's a reason that he's the tribal chief. And maybe they don't necessarily have the backing of the family doing something like that. Like, it, it could just be very interesting because to me, it's always like, yeah, you, you cross the the mob boss that is treating you wrong and everything. Mm. But then you find out why that's a bad idea. Like you get to see that like, oh, no, he's going to, you know, take away your family and put a horse's head in your bed and <laughs> et cetera. You're saying that that's what's been missing for, you know what, that has that has been missing from the storyline because we hear a lot by the elders. We hear a lot by the extended family. It would have been great at least once if we had him on the show to to show the magnitude of what Roman's doing. Because we hear why Roman is doing it. But you can also think he's, he's been hyperbolic. And mm-hmm. it's like, he's, he's deluded. But we have to see a table. It would have been great to see a table where Roman's sitting at the head of it with his family around. A segment with him and his family. That would have been great. Heck, you're right. Next week, it could be he brings Rikishi to penalize the twins for <laughs> kicking their cousin in the face. And, that, you know, you acknowledge your tribal chief because Solo's done and you need to do it too. It'd be great. If they can manage to up up the level of man- manipulation, uh, that, that would be chef's kiss. But mm-hmm. all around, the storyline's been great. Yeah. I totally agree. But let us know what you think about the Jay Uso turn on Roman Reigns in the comments down below. Let us know. We will get through the rest of our SmackDown review in the meantime. But this was a very monumental thing. Really like the crux of the whole Bloodline story that like we've always been waiting for this one specific turn. What's Jey Uso going to do? And now it's finally happened. Now we can see where they go next. It's an exciting time. The question was always what, what would be the tipping point? Yeah. And the tipping point has always been his kryptonite, his reason for being is his um, twin brother, older brother. That's what gets me. That's what gets, there's only minutes apart, but anyway, yeah, his brother. He's his brother's keeper. That's what he is. Yeah. So we kicked off. I'm my brother's keeper. Oh, wow, wow, wow. My head. 
Oh God, I'm bald. Oh, no. <laughs> oh God. Oh, I'm so sorry. House of the Black Mask. I'm so sorry, champ. Uh, go, go Spurs. <laughs> anyway, I don't care for the Spurs. It's just a black hat. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. We open SmackDown with the gauntlet match to determine new number one contenders for the tag team titles. Now, I won't complain too much about this, you know, because I get it. We had other things to get through on this show. You can't exactly do what they've done in the past where half the show is taken up with uh, a gauntlet match. And again, it's much easier to do that on Raw. Like that one gauntlet match where Seth Rollins went nuts, wrestled for like an hour and 10 minutes or whatever. Yeah. It's a lot easier to do that when you have three hours of show. Mm -hmm. Harder to do that with only two. But that being said, 
There were six teams in this gauntlet match. And this match was about 15 minutes. Long. Which means five teams got beat in 15 minutes. That's like a team losing every three minutes on average. There you go. Maths. That's like the old Survivor Series matches where guys were just like, it was the Divas matches really, where it was like the match got six minutes and there was only two people left at the end. So eight people had to get eliminated in six minutes. Madness. Madness. Indeed. Absolute madness. So that's basically what we got here. There were a lot of short matches and matches that you think might be fun, like the Brawling Brutes and LWO, basically got no time here. Nope. This really was an avenue for them to do what they love to do, which is have the team that starts go on a run and beat a bunch of teams in a row and then lose to the person that comes out last. That's how WWE likes to do a lot of their gauntlet matches, and that's what we got here. Because Sheamus and Ridge Holland started, and they went two-on-two two with the Street Profits, and this was probably the most match that we got out of this, maybe the end, but they went back and forth, and then Sheamus caught, uh, I think it was uh, Dawkins, Dawkins. Dawkins yeah. with, uh, with a bro kick and pinned him, and that was it. And all the teams were out on the floor. They were all at ringside, like, waiting their turns so that we didn't have to wait for entrances and, and such. And that's fine. The OC were next. They went in, and again, not very long. They got a little bit of offense in, taking advantage of Sheamus and Ridge being tired. But then Carl Anderson went up on the turnbuckle and posed and turned around and ate a broke kick. And that was it. He was done. That's another team gone. And then we got the LWO getting into the ring and they hit a dive. They were like, yeah, excitement. And then they got beat. <laughs> and then Hit Row came in uh, and Top Dollar immediately eats a bro kick and gets eliminated. Buried. So buried. absolute buried. Like they're a, they're a jobber tag team at this point. Uh, is what it is. But that left the last tag team to get involved and that was pretty deadly. There was a there were some fun things about this match as well. The uh, finish of this one wasn't necessarily as creative as the other weeks that we've seen from Pretty Deadly, but it was still a heel finish that was pretty good because you had both guys getting the Sheamus clubbering blows over the ropes and one of them dropped down. And then as the other one was draped over the ropes that way, Sheamus went to pick him up and hit the high cross. But as his feet were dangling there, the other one hit the, the hot and tag. Outs and Prince. That, that one, Elton John, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the AEW Collision theme song. Uh, hit, gets, gets the hot tag, hits the high cross, gets hit with a leg drop off the top rope, and that's the finish. So they get the win. I This was, I think, pretty obvious in terms of a finish. The right finish, I think. Yes. To have these guys be the ones to go into London. Yes, boy. And get a tag team title shot. Yes, I boy. think it'll be a good match between them and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And after the match, Pretty Deadly are still celebrating, and KO and Sami Zayn come out to, to interrupt them, because they're like, listen, you guys won your match five minutes ago, and you're still in the ring, which means you've been celebrating for five minutes too long. And then they go on a thing. You want to say all the things that they said? Because you can yes. do it better than I. yes. Elton Prince, the blonde one. Kit Wilson is the brunette one. Kit Wilson was saying, yes, boy, while Elton Prince says, they are the killer queens. The dandy highwaymen, the brothers in Garm. Oh, you have to do the yes boy, actually. Let's do this again. They're the killer queens. Yes, boy. Dandy highwaymen. Yes, boy. The brothers in Garm. Yes, boy. The two tastiest snacks. <laughs> yes, boy. And they said that when they win, they're going to celebrate even longer. And when they still in the ring, they're going to be there even longer. 
this segment went on even longer. <laughs> and it KO. Yeah, they got tired of this and they ran down to the ring to clear them out. And this is going to be your tag team title match for Money in the Bank. Yes, boy. Solid enough stuff, honestly. Any any uh, extended thoughts on this opening thing? You're a bigger, pretty deadly <laughs> fan than I am. They grew um, me. Listen, when they started NXT, uh, I, I was like, I was like, oh. They, they remind me of like the Beverly Brothers. Like they're like a throwback to like the early, the new generation tag teams we used to have in the, in the, in the WWF. But yeah, they, for me, they're a breath of fresh air. They're very entertaining. It's very throwback. It's great to see a tag team like that. They very much are cowardly heels. But I do feel like their delivery on the microphone is really, really good. And it's gone better. Elton Prince had a more serious tone when he was delivering, when he's cutting his promo. Because he was making fun of Sami Zayn's hair. Because Sami Zayn's hair was where he goes, we've beat five other tag teams and my hair is still... <laughs> intact in a good condition what's up with your hair and it was very for me i felt like they they did well in the segment because they'll go in bar for bar against kevin owens and Sami Zayn, who are known as great microphone you know you know microphone checkers microphone wreckers and pretty deadly did find there i feel like they got great potential there they're entertaining tag team for me it's better than those uh you know above average teams will get who've, who've got no charisma when you look at pretty deadly you're like yep they're already made. You can even put the tag team titles on them right now. They shouldn't. As much as it will pop in London, I want KO and Sami Zayn to have this legendary run that goes all the way to next year, WrestleMania. But yeah, my my views is that the right team won the match. Um, the fact that uh, Street Profits lost in, in, in the beginning, there's been rumors that Street Profits are turning heel. So this could also contribute to their downfall and their frustrations, which eventually makes them get angry. Uh, LWL, I feel like outside of Santos Escobar and Zelina, uh, Cruz Del Toro and Joaquin Wild, they, they need to do more in terms of enhancing their personality because at the moment they're just two babyface tag teams that do high flying stuff and like, yes, cheer for us because we're LWO too. That's what it feels like for yeah. me at the moment. And with the OC, I keep saying it, it's like they're here to collect another paycheck, guys, because I think they're checked out. I think they know, I don't know, it's weird. You'd think that because of their credentials of New Japan and everything else they've done, they'll be in a biggest spot in tag team wrestling but I feel like because the chokehold of the, of the Usos and the Street Profits or whatever they've never really reached that level so OC for me is just a tag team that's in there it's just another body just here to collect another paycheck and the Brawling Brutes uh, Sheamus you know He's got nothing to do right now, so he has to team up with Rich Holland. So that, that was their way of protecting him in a way. They don't want him to, to lose quickly, especially when he's not really that much of a tag team guy nowadays in, in the Brawling Brutes because he's the leader. But yeah, great performance there. But at, at the end of the day, oh my gosh, uh, you know, top dollar, Ashanti Diodonis, hit row. What are we going to do? We thought that if, if, if a hill run doesn't work, what do you do? But yeah, yes, boy. That's what I got to say. My, my big takeaway from this is I want to give WWE credit uh, for actually doing something with Pretty Deadly, like pretty much immediately upon their main roster arrival. That, to me, is a big step up from a lot of the other people that have been called up. Like, Cameron Grimes is just floating around, getting attacked by Baron Corbin. We'll get to that. But he's done nothing. Grayson Waller's just been a talk show host since he got on SmackDown. But Pretty Deadly have been consistently pushed since arriving and are now going to be in a big pay-per-view title match in their first pay-per-view match. Mm -hmm. that, that, to me, is so much better at establishing them as potential stars on the main roster than they've done with, like, anyone else. I can't think of anybody else who's even come close to this amount of push. So, 
Big thumbs up for that. And it is my mission to make sure that Tempest knows their names. <laughs> Good luck. Listen, all I can say is think of Elton, Elton John and think Prince. Elton Prince and the Blondie. Just think of those three musicians and you remember the blonde one. Say Elton Prince, Blondie, and you remember Elton Prince. Elton John is, Prince. is blonde. There you go. That's close enough. Elton John and Prince are blonde. Kit Wilson is the Prince other wasn't one. Blonde. And just say Kit, 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 just think Kit Wilson is brunette. Kit Wilson? That's his name, Kit Wilson. Kit Harrington is brunette. There you go. There you go. See? I guess that is that does make it easier. Yeah, that's how that's how I remembered uh, Elton Prince, by the way. But I said Elton Prince, I said Elton Prince is blondie. And then when I see him, I'm like, Elton Prince is blondie. And I said, Kit Wilson, because Wilson sounds generic. I feel like there's a song going on in your head at all times. Well, like there's just a tune playing. It's a pretty there. deadly song. That their new song is a, incredible. I love it. It's like it's like a British talk show uh, song. It's, it's incredible. Yeah, pretty deadly. I, I'm I'm all in. I ain't gonna lie. When they first started NXT, I found them annoying, but they won me over because they are too tasty snack on SmackDown. Yes, boy. Mm, mm, mm. I like the talk they do, and in slow motion. Welcome to <laughs> Snack Ass. So after that, we had Roman Reigns backstage with Paul Heyman, as we've already spoke about. And then we got Io Shirai and Zelina Vega. And they did an inset promo where they were all talking in the locker room backstage. And Zelina Vega says that they're going to wrestle tonight and you're going to show why you shouldn't underestimate me. And I'll, I have to be honest, I am officially annoyed by Zelina Vega talking about people underestimating her. Because I'm pretty sure every time I've heard her speak since Backlash, it has been that people are underestimating her. Are you are you annoyed that she's become one note? A little, a little bit. Like she is, it is they, they flanderized her yeah. <laughs> into being, you are smart. So talk about people underestimating you. And it, which is sad. I do feel like it, it's, it's the, the motive they give them. Yeah. I, and we know for a fact she can do more, but it's just like, you're a baby face now. So all the interesting traits you had before the hand, eh, chuck it to the bin. You have to be relatable. How, how, how do you be relatable? Well, people relate to underdogs. Just be more under. No, you're not enough under. Be more under. Be more dog. Yes, underdog. So yeah, she's an underdog. Yeah. <laughs> However, in this match, she did get underestimated, I suppose, because this again was a short match. And Zelina Vega got rolled up by EO. Pardon me. And Bailey just happened to be distracting the referee at the time. So Io got a visual pin over Zelina, but the referee wasn't there to count it. So she's yelling, ref, ref. And then Zelina kicks out. And Io turns around, goes to Bailey. He's like, what are you doing? Mm. What are you doing? And Bailey's like, oh, I was just trying to help. And then as Io stuck her head through the ropes to talk to her, Zelina hits the 619 and gets the pin. Biggest win that she's had thus far? Yeah. I mean, she was like the queen's crown winner, but like that didn't really mean anything. That, like that led to her being in a tag team with Carmella. Sure that did. That victory led to her being in a tag team, not shot, shot straight to the main event or anything like that. That that victory didn't do anything for her. If anything, it's another accolade that it can bring up in a, in a Hall of Fame speech. Yeah. So this was pretty much all the match was. Backstage after the match, Bailey and Io were arguing. And Shotzi came up and said, oh, Bailey, you cost me my spot in the Money in the Bank match. I'd be in Money in the Bank if it wasn't for you. Nah. And she's like, well, why don't you put uh, your spot, Bailey, on, on, in Money in the Bank on the line in a match against me? 
And Baylor's like, oh, why, why would I do that? Uh, sorry. And EO just says, ah, she accepts. Shotzi walks off, says, I'm going to go talk to Adam Pierce. And Bailey was like, why would you do that? And EO's like, I just trying to help. You know, um, the way you described Shotzi just made me realize they have not nailed Shotzi's character on the main roster. You don't say. On NXT, she was seen as this cool alternative chick. They, they, there's, you know what? She was never like overexposed, but they did like segments where it just highlighted her personality she didn't even talk a lot it just they did segments i remember that halloween havoc where she was the host of it they, they did things where it, it made her feel special and then they put on the main roster and then they haven't known how to use her is, is they're giving her a character that goes against how she looks this should be she's she should be someone that it should be an, an antithesis of like a charlotte Flair, if that makes sense. Mm. They're just giving her like the best friend. You know, like the be the girl next door, the best friend, the one that they give her like, you know, oh, this person never wins. Or she did she got basically she's Natalia for SmackDown. That is the character they've given her. And that is a shame because they can do a lot more with Shotzi. Yes, her in-ring IQ is not as high as most wrestlers, but what she does have is personality, but you've yet to see it. If your first exposure to Shotzi is SmackDown or her times on Raw, uh, I'm sorry, because she, she's done much better in NXT. There's so much more to her than what we're seeing. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, this, this is the thing, because like just looking at this segment, my initial thought is like, well, it certainly seems like Bailey's going to put her spot on the line and then lose, and it'll be like, oh, further dissension between EO and Bailey. I don't want to see Shotzi in the ladder match over really? Bailey. I, I assume that Bailey actually wins. It's kind of haha. See, that's I I'm hope so. That's why I'm the leader. I'm crossing my fingers. Speak it into existence. Well, I feel like it's gonna be like the condescending thing. Thanks, friend, for putting me in that match. I knew I can do it. Mm -hmm. Thanks for doing that for me. That kind of thing. And then EO probably does an eye roll, maybe, or mm -hmm. kind of like oh drats. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I would much rather that than the thing I said. Uh, so we then had Bianca Belair backstage and she is with Adam Pierce and she's talking about how like, listen, I'm gonna get this rematch because he was just like, oh, listen, there's nothing I can do. But I hate that. Uh, I hate can, that. Can, can, we, can we talk about it? Can we yeah. talk about why we hate that? Talk to me. Let me talk to you. Adam Pierce has this issue. It's, it's there's three people, three people in his life that he can't stand up to. Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, and Charlotte Flair. So he can't stand up to three people, but everyone else is a no. I still remember to this day that he suspended Bobby Lashley over the most stupidest thing. But when it comes to like Charlotte Flair, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, he can't do anything. His arms are tied. He gives every excuse under the sun where he can't do anything. But if someone like Bianca Belair, who deserves, even though they did say rematches don't count in WWE anymore, again, the, the, the goalpost changes, the rules changes every week, every year, who knows? Bianca Belair deserves a rematch for a title that she did lose. The actual title has been evolved to something else. Charlotte's title is on Raw. So I don't understand. Yeah, Adam Pearce, I don't like that he's two-faced. He's a hypocrite. He doesn't stick to his own rule. He breaks it for some people. That's my annoyance with the character. Even though, for me personally, I do think he's a good authority figure. Even I did say all that because he does not overextend his welcome. He doesn't make the show about him. He's just there to put matches together and goes about his business. And he's got a dirty ass. <laughs> so we then had Grayson Waller talking with Charlotte Flair. The Grayson Waller effect. Grayson Waller dressing like Sat E. Yeah, boy. 
stealing your drip. Oh, listen, he can steal it if he wants to, but as long as you, you know, state the sources, be happy. So I think we have moved past the need for heel talk show segments. Because gone are the days of the Roddy Pipers and Chris Jericho's and everything. Because, mm. like, the great ones were, like, you know, the highlight reel where Jericho would go out there and just do improv with whoever his guest was. Mm. You know, because he was a very, like, entertaining, good off-the-cuff kind of ca uh, character. Mm -hmm. Same thing with Roddy Piper, obviously, back in the day. These are not the same thing. I've had far too many SmackDowns tainted with Happy Talk or with now the Grayson Waller effect. Thank God I don't watch Raw and I'd have to see Miz TV and stuff. But they're all the same. They're all the same. It's just a heel being given the same bullet points to do some lame comedy. And this was pretty much that. I don't know how much a comedy it was necessarily, but he asked Charlotte if she's going to win. She says that she's got Asuka's number mm -hmm. and they do some like woo <clears throat> stuff and their timing was kind of off. It like was. they were kind of tripping over each other and just, uh, it wasn't there. It, 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 you know what? Usually I'm known as the kind of person that gives things a chance and I'm not in, in the business of burying things. This was the worst Grayson, uh, Grayson Waller effect episode on the main roster thus far. That's like, it, it old. Was, that AJ Styles one sucked. No, see that AJ Styles one. At least, at least Grayson Waller was being ant ant antagonistic. In this one, he they they made him portray like he was a school kid who had a crush on his teacher, and he could not control himself around her. He was shy around her. He was bashful around her. And it just didn't work. And it also seemed like it, it was like an awkward first date kind of thing where there's no flow, no chemistry to the conversation. There's no flow to the conversation. So that's what uh, Tempest is describing. If it was any other week, I would defend talk shows, but I can't defend what we watch because thank goodness Bianca Belair came out. And so she did. Bianca Belair interrupts this segment, comes down. And this promo segment was actually like pretty good. I thought Bianca did a very good job. She smashed it. Charlotte, I have a lot of gripes with as a character because I use the word character very loosely because she doesn't have one. But this segment I thought was good because Bianca comes out there and says that she was going to get her rematch the right way, mm -hmm. but Charlotte cut in line. Yeah. Went about things the way that Charlotte does. And Charlotte says, listen, I didn't campaign for this. I didn't politic for this. Wow. I, the line starts and ends with me. I am the line. With whatever. Okay. She says that, Sh Charlotte says that she is a champion with or without a title. But can Bianca say that? And Bianca wow. says like, I was the longest reigning women's champion of the modern era. Put some respect on my name. No, no. She said that she was longest reigning champion. Didn't need 14 times to try for that. Just mm -hmm. didn't need 14 times to do that. That was, that was the main crux because that's like a weird burn. Hey, have you lost 14 times like I have? No, I've actually kept it for quite a while. Yeah. That's what, that's what, that was the crux of the promo. Yeah. Put some respect on that. And it is really funny. Like it is the classic example of let's stat pad this person with lots of title reigns because add up all of the times that Charlotte, like all the days Charlotte's been champion. It's not that many mm. at least nowhere near what you would think it would be because there's a lot of like one day two day cashed in on the same day few week 
maybe a month reigns. Padded. Very few lengthy title reigns. It's just like that first one where she held the Divas title and then the women's title. If you count that all as one reign, it was like 10 months or something like that. I don't think she's ever come close to anything that long again. Maybe I'm wrong, but regardless, point made. Bianca says, uh, put some respect on her name. Bianca says she didn't leave when she lost her title like Charlotte did. And Charlotte says that she lost her title to Rhea and she didn't get a rematch. It's a different championship. I know. I'm going to let you finish the recap and I'll say my piece. But yeah, (sighs) as as you will, sir. Bianca says that she's going to be at ringside for the title match in two weeks. And this completely leads me to believe that we're going to get a triple threat match at Money in the Bank because that match will probably end with some tomfoolery, a DQ finish or something, and then we'll get a triple threat, which will probably be very good because that sounds like a really good combination of stars who work well together. I actually assume that it may be a triple threat, but the alternative option is if Bianca plays a part in Charlotte not winning the title, that Bianca will get her rematch on Money mm-hmm. in the Bank and Charlotte and will return Charlotte, the favor. Yeah. And then SummerSlam, you got both of them fighting, not for the title, so Asuka can face Io Sky for the title. Or Yeah, if that means that you get Charlotte and Bianca in a non-title match at SummerSlam, just one-on-one, mm. and then Asuka can face someone else, yeah. I think that works brilliantly. That's That's why, like... I was speaking to Philip Lindsay of, of Grap City about this because he, like everyone else, is doing a prayer circle <laughs> hoping that Oscar's current reign is not a transitional one. Mm-hmm. It's like they didn't transition Bianca with, with, without the title so Charlotte can get it and, and Bianca chase her for months, possibly. I don't know. Uh, the segment. This is my gripe with Charlotte's uh, part of the segment. I've said it before and I say it again. Charlotte Flair, the in-ring performer, is fantastic. Charlotte Flair, the character. What the heck? So my issue is ass crack. So she undermined her points in the same promo. She said, I am champion with or without the title. Cool. Prove it without the title. Can you be champion without the title with or without the title? I'm like, she's such a, they made a hypocrite. I didn't politic my way into it. There is, there was a recap video of her coming out to someone's championship celebration, not to congratulate her, not to say, hey champ, this is great. I hope down the line some point, you know, I know the title that I lost is on another show, but I would like an opportunity. No, she went, I am the line. The line starts with me. That for me feels like she demanded an opportunity so I, I don't know, because it's kind of like, oh, then politics. Politics is like she went and conspired with someone. No, but she she basically shot a shot in front of everyone and she got what she wanted. She is entitled. She was entitled about mm-hmm. that. And then when she talked about she was 14 times champion, uh, have you done what I've done? Again, in reality, bragging about how much times you've lost a title. And like you said, it doesn't, the accumulated days when you put it together, it doesn't even stack up yeah. well. Is there's so much about the character they get wrong, and that's meant to be a baby face. It, it kind of reminds me of a later period of, of, of the character of John Cena where they'll get so oh. much things wrong about the oh. baby character. Yeah, so with Charlotte, with Charlotte, you've got an unbearable baby face who you can't relate because the whole point of being a baby face sometimes, not all the time, is the, the crowd should be able to relate to you. You can't relate to Charlotte because you don't know who Charlotte is without the title. Uh, at some point last year, I felt like the closest we got to Charlotte evolving was last year when she called herself the opportunity, when she started. The, the, 
uh, dressing up like Disney villain princesses. <laughs> I enjoy that part. At least that, it seemed like they were trying to evolve the character more than being the queen. Because we talked about in the past, all the other horsewomen have evolved. Mm -hmm. all, the, all the other horsewomen, when they debuted the main roster, the characters they had has been evolved. Heck, even Sasha Banks is now gone to another... She's gone out to the world. She's the CEO. She ain't the boss anymore. Ronda Rousey tries stuff. She tries face paint, you know? <laughs> Hell of an example. Alexa Bliss gets spooky from time to time. You know what I'm saying? Nikki Cross, she's a superhero sometimes. She's sometimes kooky. Natalia, because you don't watch Raw. Natalia recently lost on Raw. And she said she doesn't know who she is. And she can't beat Natalia anymore. She doesn't know who she is. And she walked away. That one was a tease that we're finally going to get an evolution of Natalia. If we don't, I let Tempest know. It's a running joke. He doesn't watch Raw. I watch glimpses of Raw. And I inform him. But yeah, Charlotte, same old, same old stuff. So... There's a few things here for me. Yes, sir. Bianca Belair in Incredible. this segment, Incredible. it's so funny to me because people were starting to get real tired of Bianca Belair as champion. Yeah. And to me, it's 100% because of the presentation they do with babyface champions. Amen. They are incapable, seemingly, of having a babyface champion stay interesting to give them a character to go along with that title reign. They've been able to do it with heel champions because Roman Reigns, of course, has a very good character right now. And they just can't seem to do the same thing when it is a babyface champion. And then they take the title off Bianca and immediately she is 10 times as interesting. And it doesn't take that much work to just make a character like that interesting when it is someone like Bianca Belair who has a character, who has shown that she's very good at portraying herself as this confident, maybe cocky, but the, the, the NXT version of Bianca Belair, the very early days main roster version of Bianca Belair. We have seen it and now we're seeing it again. So there's no reason why her as champion couldn't have had that same edge to her. And I guarantee you, if she had that, there would be so many less people who would have gotten tired of that title reign. That being said, mm -hmm. Praise and whatnot of Bianca Belair to one side. Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair. I pretty much just want to piggyback off of what you said. Because I find it just infuriating watching this character. And again, I use the word character very loosely. Because yes, I think Charlotte Flair is on the short list of the best big match women's wrestlers of all time. Facts. You see her match with Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania, it's impossible Incredible. to argue otherwise. Mm -hmm. She, as a character, is appallingly bad. You cannot tell me what the difference is between Charlotte Flair's character in 2023 and what it was in 2016. There's nothing. No evolution. No difference whatsoever. No development. <laughs> And the only time I can recall of her not being involved in the championship picture mm. in a rivalry was against Lacey Evans. And it was, haha, your dad has gotten me pregnant, maybe, but we're not going to say that. That's the only one I can think of. And it was also bad. So I'm not taking that as a positive example. She doesn't have a character if she's not a champion. Mm -hmm. And that's why when she comes back, it's immediately back into the title picture. If you would just put her in a rivalry, just give her a chance to tell a story. 
Like what? I guess the only other one I can maybe think of is when she wrestled Trish at yeah. SummerSlam that yeah. one time, mm. and that still like it wasn't a great shift in character, but at least it gave her something to wrestle for that wasn't a title. Mm. It was wrestling this legend and establishing where she lands on the pecking order. I just can't get on board with this as a babyface too, especially not as a babyface. It would work as a heel. Like I, I get, I, I think I would in, still be tired of it as a heel. Don't get me wrong, but like as a babyface, it is so appalling. I think they, in their mind, is like, oh, she's an overachiever. I think another thing that, that kind of gripes me a bit is it. it she, her character is basically a take of her dad's character, right down to how many title reigns, which is a bit. It's kind of like if Natalia, Brett's her uncle, but it's like her stick is she's a five-time champion, like her <laughs> uncle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or she's got a fake uh, chin beard, so she strokes it a lot, even though she cosplays her family a lot. But it's just kind of like it's 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 so one note. Is we feel like. Charlotte is capable of so much more, but they refuse to evolve her because it's not just her. Because I've 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 heard Charlotte Flynn interviews even hint that it's just kind of like how they position her mm -hmm. and how how can she argue? You're gonna make me win? Oh, this is crap! Don't push me. She's obviously happy to be pushed because you know it's work and you know. But the presentation, I wish that she would do what Roman Reigns did. It's like enough is enough. I want to take control of my character. Paul will help me with the promos and with direction of the storyline. No, because with Roman Reigns, I read the the from Paul Heyman that the, the 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 dog the dog food feud with Baron Corbin was the catalyst for him to say, "Nah, I need to change things around here. This is not it for me." Oh, shocker! Someone got tired of being in a feud with Baron Corbin. I knew the moment I said Baron Corbin. You, Baron Corbin, still the last man to pin Roman Reigns one on one. <laughs> mm hmm. Continue. I was going to say that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Charlotte Flair, we wish that they did more with her, evolve yeah. her as a character. But yeah, it's funny. Uh, on Raw, Rhea has no one to face. Charlotte could have used the entitlement to go to Raw and demand a rematch because she's due a rematch and we've been fine with that. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Anyway, we'll move on. But there's a lot of feelings about Charlotte Flair that frustrate me. And then John Cena is a very good comparable. Uh, Karrion Cross and Scarlett faced AJ Styles and Meechan. AJ Styles and Meechan had a cool entrance. They did a real nice, uh, well-timed duo's entrance. I liked it. And also Meechan had a hoodie which was kind of similar as a take of AJ Styles' hoodie. So when they did their post together, they both took off the hoods at the same time. It was cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, so this was, this was again, a short match and AJ, it was the classic mixed tag rules thing where, you know, it's difficult to really build the psychology there because you can never two on one anybody in this match. And Scarlett's not really a regular wrestler either. So there wasn't a lot of work between she She's and wrestled Michin. in the Indies guys, but yeah, they won't let her yeah. do much in the ring though. You know, it's just, there's not a lot. There, people aren't going to be into it. They don't know what her moves are and and such. That's sad. Cause sorry to cut you off, but you know Ronda Rousey, she got over because she did stuff in the mixed tag. They can do it, but they refuse to do it because you know it's TV time remaining. Yeah. This, however, led to AJ Styles hitting the Styles Clash on Karrion Cross, nice. appearing to get the win, but Scarlett pulled uh, him by the hair, got him off of that thing. And uh, Meechin kind of brawled with her to the outside. Karrion Cross locked in the, the cross jacket. And AJ Styles was fighting, fighting, fighting. And then Karrion Cross hit a new finish. It was like a pump handle slam F5, mixed with like yeah. an F5. 
it was a cool move. And Karen Cross won. Karen Cross beat AJ Styles. He he needed to at some point because he was gonna be known as the new eater of pins. Spooky spooky promo. TikTok. Eat a pin. Spooky spooky promo. Eat a pin. Yeah. <laughs> Tarot card. Spooky spooky promo. Eat a pin. So at yeah. some point you roll your eyes. You were like this guy again who never wins. Because I was trying to tell. I was trying to consult Tempest about the results because AJ Styles. Coming out from being in the finals for Night of Champions, right? In the mind of many that are not convinced or they don't see Karrion Cross where management want him to be. So for them, it's a step down. So for him to lose in the mixed tag match, I, 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 saying, I was saying to Tempest, number one, Scarlett got involved. Number two, Scarlett trying to uh, seduce AJ. So there's a funny moment in the match where AJ took off his gloves and said, I'm married. <laughs> That was funny. And then Scarlett got offended and she went to smack smack uh, AJ and that's when Michin got involved. But yeah, um, it was a mixed tag match. Possibly AJ may face Karrion again and get his win back. You just have to remember there was extenuating <laughs> circumstances that prevented AJ from getting the victory because AJ would have probably have won against Karrion Cross. But Karrion Cross needs to be built up. These kinds of pinfalls go a long way for him because... I think that mis that Rey Mysterio feud actually did a lot more to damage him because he beat Drew McIntyre, who was once the ace of the company during the pandemic. And then he followed that up by losing to Rey convincingly. <laughs> and then he won the second match, but I don't think anyone remembers that because Rey was feuding with Dominic. So yeah, so Karrion Cross has been the afterthought on the, on the main roster. So they need to build him up somehow. And he's going into great shape as well. If you've seen his uh, Instagram, he talks about his body transformation. So good on the guy for getting where he needed to be. I just TikTok. I, I'm over it though. TikTok. Like, I I do think the damage has been done, at least for me watching. And we were sat here mm. being like, "Ooh, this SmackDown reshuffle, the draft, and everything has left us with like, ooh, there's a number of really cool like potential challengers for for Roman Reigns and." Like, I think AJ Styles was probably very near the top of that list, and now here he is just losing to Karrion Cross, and I'm. That to me does not make sense when, in theory, you need more challengers for Roman Reigns after this Usos thing is done for the summer, at least. And I guess you have time to build AJ back up and one loss isn't going to kill him. But like, I don't know this. I would not be booking Karrion Cross to be beating AJ Styles. Just, Under, even if he's going to beat him again in a third match or anything like that. I don't know why they're feuding. Yeah, just no. the, the tarot cards just said that Karen Cross needs to feud with, with AJ Styles this time as opposed to last time when it was Shinsuke Nakamura. Just, and he lost. Yeah. I don't know. It, it does nothing for me. This guy, this character, these matches, blah. Okay, but you, you're, you're very good at, uh, you know... Uh, booking alternative what would you do with a carrying cross if you're tasked with um making him interesting what it, what is it that's missing that you would you yourself would like to see different even even people please comment on the comment section and let us know if you're not a fan of carrying cross let us know how you would improve the character because he hasn't been clicking since he's come back it's been quite awkward because in the beginning it was like the the narrative was Vince put him in a stupid outfit. That's why he didn't get over. He lost to Jeff Hardy, who was NXT champion. But now, now you... Is it because of Jeff Hardy lost? Is it, is it a kind of thing that is quite hard? First impressions are key, right? Is it quite hard to go over the fact that this guy was in the gimp mask? <laughs> no, I think he just sucks. You know, like, I think that Drew feud sucked. I think there were enough matches and enough segments, like the fireball that just did not work. 
and enough that has exposed him to the point where people just don't care. Did you ever watch him in Impact Wrestling? Uh, not a ton. Person? I watched a lot of him in NXT. But to answer your question, yes, sir. in terms of how I would do things differently, <laughs> mm. and this is something that I've thought of for precisely 20 seconds, so mm. bear with me. But I would probably do something to, again, accentuate his positives and hide his negatives. And what are his negatives? Mostly wrestling. The wrestling side of things is not his strongest suit. His positives are his look. Uh, his, his style is still like a, a dominant style. So I would maybe look to have him be something of like the, the psychological character that he was early on in the year when he was going and talking to Ray and everything. Have him be hidden out in the back and have him be kind of like the monster for hire. If people want to go and just like slide him some money, they don't want to do long business with him. They don't want him to be in their group. Nothing like that because they don't trust him. He, he's dangerous. You just slide him some money and be like, he needs taken care of. We take care of Rey Mysterio. Have the judgment day, pass him some money and, and take out Rey Mysterio. And it's after a match and the lights go dark and the music starts and everything. And you know that you are effed. You are absolutely screwed. And he can come down. He can kill whoever is being paid off to kill. And then he's gone. And that's it. And maybe you then leave that for like further down the line. Like, you know, that person doesn't forget or there's a, a score to settle or something like that. But you don't need to see a series of matches with this guy where all the matches are kind of the same and he's just not that impressive or smooth. I think that would help his aura a lot more where he can still beat people up without then having to lose that match. Right. That's of, just an idea that I've had off the top of my head. It's kind of like how they, they brought Kane in the beginning. Just yeah. Kind of taking people out before he had his first match. Exactly. <clears throat> you know, but like more psychological rather than like slasher villain. Hmm. something like that i don't know there you go i appreciate you sharing that with us i appreciate you backstage cameron grimes is about to be interviewed and he's attacked by baron corbin i enjoyed it by the way guys it is it's good that they, they're trying to give corbin some edge back they're trying to that's what they've been doing at nxt they're trying to make him you know serious again that's what i miss i miss i miss lone wolf baron corbin i miss his last theme that he had before he became king that, that you know that, that, that guy is six foot six. It, it, it boggles my mind when WWE got access to, to big, impressive guys and they should book them like monsters and they don't. Mm -hmm. that, that annoys me. And, and Cameron Grimes, I'm just happy to be here. You know, I got no personality. NXT Cameron Grimes, one of the most entertaining guys. They used to give him segments in the ring. This is a guy that was a, like a, a swamp badass who then became a millionaire because he was involved in that GameSpot situation where he- Stonks. He, Yes, he got some money out of it and he became a millionaire and he had an entertaining feud of LA Knight, a feud that I, I would argue made both guys as great character performers. But then, weirdly, when NXT 2.0 became a thing, they said, you know, this Kevin Grimes guy, what, what is he? Oh, he looks ugly. He's, trim his beard and you know, trim his hair. And what is the motivations? So what happened was they turned him into a Dolph Ziggler-esque kind of baby face, uh, very much earnest, someone, I lost, I'm doing this for the people. They even mentioned the fact that, you know, uh, Cameron Grimes' father, father used to be a wrestler. So Cameron Grimes' father, unfortunately, passed away a few years ago. So they started, they started using that for sympathy. And I'm like, I understand that you want to 
add character motivation, but the character he had previously, yeah, it was a millionaire who, because he was so entertaining as a heel, he got over as a baby face. Yeah, in their mind, a millionaire character can't be a baby face. So they stripped that kind of aspect of his character off. Then what did you have? So they turned him into this character that he kind of is right now, happy to be here. What I'm trying to say is there's more to him. This guy is very talented in the ring. He can go. And he also can go on the microphone. And he's a great character uh, when asked upon. Do more of Cameron Grimes, please. Because like you said, pretty deadly. Off to the races. Their money in the bank. Cameron Grimes. They should be doing more with him. Is Cameron Grimes even in the money in the bank? He should be in the money in the bank. But they, they might give, what's his face, you know, Logan Paul, <laughs> someone's spot in the money in the bank. Yeah. I think you've said everything that I'm feeling. That and just like this, this rivalry is just spinning its tires. Like, it's the most lazy booked, like, oh, I'm going to attack you backstage. And then the next week, I'm going to attack you backstage. It's whatever. You, okay, you know what? I, not. I, I was complaining about how Austin Theory has no challenges. Cameron Grimes could be that guy. Yes. I feel like we've been saying this for like two or three weeks. Cameron Grimes could be that guy. And, and he wins. Yeah. Oh, and he, how about that? How, what about caving in, in three seconds? <laughs> Five seconds. Create a record and boom, he give him the title. Do the Omen Warrior honky tonk man. Just surprise victory. Get, you got a new champion and off to the races. I'm here for it. The last segment we have to talk about here is Rey Mysterio coming out and saying that forming the LWO is his most, uh, his is the accomplishment he's most proud of and welcomes Santos Escobar down to the ring and says he's going to win Money in the Bank. Santos comes out. He speaks a lot in Spanish. He says he loves Rey Mysterio. He idolized Rey Mysterio. And at Money in the Bank, he's going to win that match for Rey, uh, for his uh, familia, for his raza. For his family, for his people, and for all the WWE universe that have a dream. This was a real, like, rah, rah, babyface promo. I know. Again, Santos is good at delivery. Like, you believe that. How he delivers it, it it feels like it's coming straight from the guy's heart. Santos Escobar is a great performer. He can make that work. The issue is, what made him interesting was the cool Lucha Emperor. Everyone in LWO had to pretend. Now now they have to pretend they don't come from a good lifestyle. They don't don't own vans that kidnap people. They're not that people anymore. They're not people that, that, that chill on yachts and have feuds with mobs. <laughs> They're not these happy Mexican guys or happy Latino guys. Happy to be here. Raymond is a legend. Woo. This segment was the first time I'm, I, I think I know where this storyline is going. Mm. I said to you, I said, do you think all of this is going to lead to Santos Escobar turning on Rey Mysterio and then feuding at WrestleMania? Or... Well, rest may be the beginning because a part of me feel like we're we're very nostalgia based. Someone will go, let's recreate Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio feud again. You know, when they were tag team champions and then Eddie turns on Rey because they lost sure. too much. I can see them hopefully thinking mm, Santos could be a top guy. Put him with Rey because it's true. By putting Santos with Rey, is it, is exposed uh, fans who still weren't sure about Legado. You know, they never watch NXT. Who are these people? By associating them with Rey Mysterio is smart because now you get to know them more, spend time with Rey Mysterio. So by the time Santos does eventually turn on Rey Mysterio, it's going to mean a lot more because it's very much lovey-dovey. I love you. I respect you. And I was like, ooh, it's going to lead to a feud. That's the only reason why they would be doing this. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hoping as well. I think that match would be fantastic. If that's like a WrestleMania match, ah, I would very much love to see that because like, Rey Mysterio hasn't been given a ton of chances to have, like, giant blow-away WrestleMania matches. A lot of them are really short. You know, he had his match with Dominic, which may be his, his best WrestleMania match. 
like his world title match got got cut for time. The Intercontinental title match was really short. The U.S. title match was really short. The Cruiserweight Open Challenge thingy at WrestleMania 20 was short, or at least his involvement was. The, the Matt Hardy match was short. He hasn't had that many chances to really have a blow-away match at WrestleMania, but I think the Santos Escobar match could be his best. Do you mean the Cody match was short? It was like eight minutes. No, but it was like, it was good. It was Mm. the second match on the show. Mm. I think it was a really fun, solid match, but like it wasn't going to steal the show by any means. I think this match has absolutely the potential to steal a WrestleMania. And it's going to make Santos, because we know that Rey Mysterio is a very giving wrestler. So yeah, Santos is one of those guys, I, I keep reiterating, there's a lot of... There's a theme in WWE. They've got a lot of great wrestlers in their late 30s, early 40s. Mm-hmm. So back in the days, Vince would be like, oh, you're a commentator or, you know, you're a coach. But when it's era, era where it seems like Triple H is giving people past their 40s their flowers, I was convinced that Bobby Lashley, like because of his age, they wouldn't give him a run and he's had a great run. So I'm hoping guys like LA Knight, uh, Santos Escobar who's turning 40 next year will get an opportunity. Damian Priest, I think, is already turning 40. He's ready. He's 40. He's probably mm-hmm. 41 now. He seems to be having a, a great renaissance on the, on the main roster. So I'm hoping those guys in the late 30s, early 40s, get the flowers due before it's too late, man. Because once you get to a certain age, the, the injuries pile up. Hell yeah. And then the last thing on, on SmackDown was the main event, Jey Uso super kicking Roman Reigns segment that we've already talked about. So overall, there was some good stuff on this show. Like the, the match, I didn't even talk about LA Knight in the match. That yeah. was me because I because I, I hijacked with my points. It's my fault. Sorry. Well, I mean the the Santos Escobar Rey Mysterio stuff. I think was the point of all this. Uh, yeah, L.A. Knight and Santos Escobar had another short match. This was the build up for the for the ladder match moment on the show. And L.A. Knight tried to roll up uh, Santos Escobar just like he did with Montez Ford, where he holds onto the ropes. And Austin and Austin, uh, I'll say Austin Creed, but and Xavier Woods as well. Yeah. And do, do you think it's like do you think it's like control it because he. Every time LA Knight's in the match, they give him the same kind of finish. Yeah. Is, is it like a thing? Is that a thing? Is that a trope? I don't know. I don't know how much thought they put into this sort of thing. Maybe a lot. Maybe a little. Not sure. But Santos Escobar uh, rolled through, got the pin with his own roll up. And then after the match, LA Knight was beating up Santos until Rey Mysterio ran him off. So that was it. You didn't get to see any of the other people that are going to be on uh, the Money in the Bank match. Like no, no Pete Dunne, no Butch. He wasn't out there for the tag gauntlet. Nothing like that. So it was these two guys. Maybe that... Is telegraphing somebody who possibly is going to win? Maybe one of these two? I don't know. I really feel like a lot of people in this Money in the Bank match could win. But regardless, that was the end of SmackDown. Can't believe I forgot a match. Whatever. No, you didn't. You didn't. I didn't let you finish. That's what it was. It's fine. Don't, Don't you blame yourself. Jey Uso super kicks Roman Reigns. Huzzah. Before we get out of here, we have some very important people to give a shout out to. Those being our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk. You can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this by subscribing at the $25 and above tier, much like these ones. So a big shout out to Lameu Omond, Links the Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Pick him up, loot sponge. Yeah. Lord Chris Santo. Yeah. Too lot to handle, Lottie McCulloch. Yeah. Manipulating Manny Umaria. Yeah. How'd you like them apples, Marcel Durer? Yeah. Have a glass of sherry, Martel J. Simmons. Yeah. 
He's got two first names, Matt Howard. Yeah. The real boss, Matt Robinson. Yeah. Max Kurt Wallander Wallen. Yeah. Michael Jensen Radio. Yeah. Michael. Mark for life. Plowman. Yeah. A big thank you to all of our pledge hammers, but especially to our $25 and above pledge hammers. We thank all of you. There is plenty of content over at patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk, including the full uncut and extended versions of uh, the No Holds Board new show over on Parts Fun Known where we play board games being made about wrestling. Not wrestling board games, but real board games with wrestling questions. It's a ton of fun, and I love doing that show. So make sure you go and see the full uncut version of those shows, as well as, and you can see this right now, a week's early access to next week's episode where we play Wits and Wagers. It's a very good time, so make sure you check that out. Sat, thank you very much for joining me on another edition of the SmackDown Podcast here on the WrestleTalk Podcast channel. House of the Black Mosque. The house always wins. We're out of time. We're out of time. We will see you next week, but make sure you check out our live reactions tonight for the first episode of AEW Collision with Ollie Davis seeing his hero, CM Punk, once again returning to our screens. Oh, my God. Maybe that means the CM Punk news is going to stop. Probably not. No, no. Make sure you check us out. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.